All right, hello, and welcome to another edition of New York Update. This is Jake Jacobs, and we're online at nyupdate.org. Today we have a special guest. We're interviewing candidates, and we have Justin Sweet here, who is currently the Clarkstown Town Clerk, a longtime Clarkstown Town Clerk. And he's running for New York State Senate in the 38th, which is where I live. Uh, that's why we're here in the Lower Hudson Valley. And the uh, seat is currently held by David Carlucci, who has held it since 2010, I believe. And 11. 2011, okay. Mm-hmm. And David Carlucci now is running for Congress. So that leaves his seat open. And we have a race, so we can uh, talk to Dustin. Uh, we're, of course, education-focused, and so we're going to dig in with that, but we'll also find out the status of the race. So why don't we start with, where did you go to school? Where did I go to school? I went to Clarkstown Public Schools. Okay. I went to, well, I started, even though I'm third generation in Clarkstown, a couple years that um, my my family moved my mom and dad moved up to Goshen mm-hmm. uh, to, so my dad tried to expand the family business into Goshen so we lived up in Goshen for four or five years that put me K through three okay. at I believe Goshen Elementary School mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was named and then we moved back to Rockland I went to fourth grade at Little Tor Elementary School fifth and sixth grade at Street Elementary School which isn't an elementary school anymore they um, Clarkstown was down downsizing or whatever and so they let that one go it's now uh, like a recreation center uh they went to fest felix festa middle school uh clarkstown north high school um and then i went to buffalo state college mm-hmm. i have a bachelor of anthropology and a bachelor of earth sciences from buffalo state college then there was a period of time where i was working and then i went back to school at night while i was working full-time and had um, a wife and a kid, a mortgage, and I went to Pace University School of Law at night. Oh. Um, graduated from there, and I am currently pra- licensed to practice law in the state of New York. Great. Okay, and um, and you have a big family, right? I so, do have so, a big family. So now you're seeing. So you had the kind of I guess, you know, suburban uh, education experience growing up, and and now you're now you're seeing as a, as a dad. So how has that been? I guess it's a the type of education that people don't have many complaints about, you know, especially compared to some really hard up districts. But what's your view on uh, on the education that your kids are getting? And and how many how many kids do you have by the way? I have nine. Nine, nine kids. Nine okay. Children. Yeah, I, yeah, I remember it being nine children. A big number. <laughs> one one marriage. Mm-hmm. One wife produced all those children. <laughs> um, currently, six of them are in. Uh, Clarkstown Public Schools, so I have some kids sprinkled throughout each of the different levels of schools, um, and we've you know we've been through. Well, my oldest son's nineteen, right. so we've already done the whole thing, and we're doing it all over again. Uh, I do have a first grader, and work your way up. Uh, I I you know we're happy with most of it. We're happy with the teachers. We we've had some teachers that we just loved. We, mm-hmm. we I think the vast majority of teachers really love their jobs. We we got some high quality educators in Clarkstown. And so working with the teachers has been great. I I guess just you know overall our, our biggest gripe with um with our experience has been it's 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 overly structured, I think. And um sometimes we kind of bang heads a little bit with you know the administration or whatever because it's it's very rigid 
um, just so many different things. It's hard for me to think of which ones we we didn't like at a particular moment. But just overall, that's what comes to mind right now. Is it, it's it's just very. There's always a lot of rules. Anytime we say, well, why do we have to do that, or why are you making my child do this, right. <clears throat> or why can't we do something else? See, we mm -hmm. had an idea. And you'll always get, well, it's New York State law. Or, uh, well, they have a regulation. The, dis the district doesn't allow that. And right. I'm saying, well, I feel like, we, like the, the, the parents and the teachers don't have a lot of say in what they're the ones who are invested in. It's the parents, it's their children in the right. schools. The teachers are the ones, in my opinion, doing all the work. And we don't, I don't think that nobody's, they're not or they say they can't do it, whatever. I, I feel like we're not being, our voices aren't being heard enough. And you see things languish for years and they the, they still press on with it. And it's, they're not, you know, a lot of parents are up in arms and stuff just keeps going on. And so that kind of thing, the responsiveness of the school district to, to change or what parents are saying or being more flexible. Those are kind of things that really kind of bothered <clears throat> us, but... Right. So here in Clarkstown, there's a, you know, Clarkstown School District and it is a it, you know, it's a place where the schools are really the main attraction, right? They keep the property values high, they attract people from the city all the time who are having a family. That's how I ended up here. That's how a lot of my friends ended up here at different times in their life. And then, you know, you have these schools, and they're great schools. They're well-funded, really caring teachers, like almost ideal conditions, except for we have a lot of unfunded mandates, and we have a lot of, as you say, like structures, you know, certain ways that, you know, kids have to be educated now. Ever since about 2001, you have No Child Left Behind law, which mandates annual standardized testing in math and English, from third grade to eighth grade. And since it's been implemented, there hasn't been any measurable increase in the uh, performance. You know, national test scores, the PISA tests are have all been flat. And there, there has been a pretty sizable backlash against the testing. In New York State, I think it, it hit 21% uh, statewide in 2013, if I remember right. And then it kind of went to like 19% and then 18% and 16%. So yeah, maybe maybe that was 2014 and now we're in 2019, now 2020. Last year it was down to 16%. But Clarkstown is higher than average opt-out rates. And there's other places here in Rockland County and the 38th District. You have Ossining, which is pretty high opt-out rates, over 30%. You have Haberstraw, which I believe is over 40% percent last year. Pearl River is pretty high. It, this is not a Democrat-Republican thing. This is just like parents that are ex exercising civil disobedience and they're sending their kid in with a letter that says, my kid isn't taking these tests until they're fixed or until, you know, they're gotten rid of. Um, that it does take teacher autonomy away, not only on the testing day or testing week, but from day one, as soon as you get into that classroom, the math and the English teachers are all teaching with the spring testing in mind because over the years, various iterations of evaluations have been tied to the test and that raises the stakes for the teachers and the schools and the principals and the administrators. And then during some of these years that we're talking about, it raised the stakes for the students because they were told, if you don't do well on these tests, you're gonna get held over or 
you're a failure, you know, you're not proficient, you would get a card home. I mean, I'm sure you got plenty of these over the years. My oldest is, is the same age as your oldest. And I remember getting cards in the mail in August for both of them saying that they're both not proficient in English and math. And that feeling I had, because, you know, my kids are not like Einstein, you know, they're average or, and, or they have their strengths and weaknesses. I took those cards and I ripped them up and I threw them I never showed the kids. This is, this is the thing. It's standardized testing. So what's been your experience as a parent and your family? Have you ever opted your kids out or have you ever brushed up against other parents that, that were part of this opt-out movement? Well, yes. There's some folks, especially in the beginning, but it still kind of goes around every year. Uh, there's some parents who kind of took the initiative to, uh, that was some, one of them that we know pretty well, that took the initiative to try to point out to other parents, this is how you can do it, right. here's a form letter, whatever. We have opted out, all of our children have opted out since the beginning, up until the current date. There you have it, folks. Um, we have, uh, we have <laughs> a, a dad of nine that has been opting out since the beginning, really. Yeah, just, just as 19, so I think he was there before it or mm -hmm. at the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, so, and, well, and you're definitely right that it's, it's bipartisan. Uh, one of the... Yeah, I just know people on both sides of the aisle that um, are, are opting their children out or very vocal about it. All of the educators, that, like teachers that I've spoken to, some I feel like they're, they don't want to, they're they not don't. sure where you are, so they don't want to say anything too provocative. Well, they're not but I've never had a teacher tell me they like it or it's a good thing. But I have had, and these are te some teachers that we really believe in, teachers that we love, that have told us, we're teaching to the test. It's not productive. It's not helping me. And it's not helping, you know, here's Johnny's really good at this. And I don't have the time now to give him extra time or, or support. material support mm -hmm. for, for that thing that he's good at. And Susie's good at something else. And I could push her in that direction. They said, that's kind of getting, you're losing the ability to do that. Because literally, I know it's a slogan, but I've had, they've tell me, we're teaching to the test. Yes. And it's, it's, it's not just a slogan. It's so really how hard. you, you know, help people with, because like you said, everybody has different skills. I know it from having a lot of kids and just myself. I'm good at some things. I'm really not good at other things. Um, how do you help somebody like that excel at what they're good at when you're just, it's called standardized testing. You're kind of just putting everybody, trying to put everybody in a little, you know, box and my experience with it has not been good. I know a lot of parents don't like it. I've never heard it, never found a teacher who said anything good about it. Um, yeah, so we, we will continue to, to be uh, to, opting uh, to out. And I would like letter. to see them just stop, just, right. just back off from it. That, that would also be my, you know, politically. Um, right, we'll, we'll get to the policy. From that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the policy. But, <clears> yeah, <throat> I mean, if, uh, if anybody listening is... Um, Thinking about this as the spring tests approach, usually the uh, math, April ELA, about two or three weeks after that. You can um, download opt-out letters from NYSAPE.org. That's N-Y-S-A-P-E, New York State Allies for Public Education.org. There's opt-out letters there every year that are updated. Last year, last session in up in Albany, there was a bill that was put forward by Robert Jackson and Harvey Epstein. Uh, in the assembly. The bill was kind of mild, actually. All it wanted to do was notify parents that they have the right to opt out. Right now, parents have to find out about this. Like you said, you heard about this from an active parent, right? Mm -hmm. That was advising other parents. Yep. 
and I, and I teach in New York City. In New York City, they have never told parents what their options are, what their rights are. And parents do have the legal right to opt out. That's you know, and that that's also from the federal education law, but on the state level as well. A lot of them don't know about it. They have been trying to get parents to take these tests by hook or by crook. And last year that really came out because NYSAPE collected the stories of parents from all over the state. And there were some incredible stories from Long Island and Buffalo and all over the state being lied to, uh, being told that your kid has to take these tests, otherwise they can't be on the honor roll. If the parent wants to opt out, they have to come in in person. They have to do it by a certain date. All lies, all lies. And so, so this bill was put forward last session, and it did pass the state Senate. On the last day of the session, Shelley Meyer gave it a vote in the Education Committee. And I think, uh, you know, in those, in those last days of the session, everything has to kind of go through the Rules Committee, right? It's, it doesn't, okay. like, spend time in committees anymore. So it, it just went through. And then it went to the Assembly, and something weird happened where the Education Committee chair, Mike Benedetto, wouldn't give it a vote on the last day. And he said, and this is really weird, he said, I would give this a vote, a floor vote, if the teachers union, the state teachers union writes a letter telling me that they're behind this bill. And they did not do that. And so the bill didn't get passed. And that gets into like, you know, some kind of like inside baseball stuff. The state teachers union actually was behind the opt-out movement very strongly. But the New York City union, the UFT, has never gotten behind opt-out. Mike Mulgrew, you know, Randy Weingarten, those folks have never. And so it remains to be seen what will happen if this gets reintroduced. But as a New York State senator, there could be a legislation to completely remove the mandate for standardized testing because, you know, the new education bill gives states that flexibility. But the, the problem is that New York has been probably the, the most pushing towards the states and a lot of that comes from New York City and some kind of arrangement between Cuomo and Mike Mulgrew where, because if New York City started opting out in appreciable numbers, that would be it. It would be over. But New York City has never cracked 3%, 4%. And part of the reason is parents don't know. I, you know, I teach in the Bronx and, you know, my students, they don't get anything to go home, you know. And I have a lot of parents that ask and they don't. They have no idea. They think you need to get a lawyer if you're going to opt out. And then when parents do find out that they can opt out, they do it like that. And so in my school, we had like 17 kids opt out last year, and it was the first time. You know, it it had only been like single digits. I assume since you're an opt out parent, you're an opt out dad, you would support legislation to either eliminate or reduce standardized testing in any way possible to restore local control and autonomy. Absolutely. I mean, right. that's been my experience. Uh, you know, look, in a, in a place like Clarkstown, just getting at what you were saying, uh, you know, there's it's an affluent community. Parents, there's some folks who have the time or they don't work full time or they're, they're at, uh, you know, stay-at-home parents. And so they can get this information and they have the time to disseminate it and talk to other parents. And if you go to other areas, other demographics, is Folks are working, and everybody's working. Both parents are working. They're not working nine to five, so they can't. It's not as easy to, you know, disseminate that kind of information or take the time 
I know one parent that kind of took the lead on it and she had told me how much time and research and read all these articles and everything else to try and so she felt like she was knowledgeable enough to say stuff to people and not yeah. just you know so that that's hmm, I that's I know her. yeah so this so this you know, would but I, I yeah absolutely I, so so this bill this is basically a notification bill it would just you know tell parents kids would get a you know a letter in the backpack or it'd be emailed out to parents and it would just say okay if you want to opt out this is what you do here's the letter sign it you know send it in but of course, what's wrong you know, with more information? The, well, the powers that be don't want that. Yeah. Um, you know, and we can talk, we can get into who's behind standardized testing. You know, there's a lot of zeros behind this. You know, you got Bill Gates, you got Bloomberg, you have uh, Lorraine Powell Jobs, you have the Hewlett Foundation, and you know all these you know all these names. It's it's like a who's who of the Forbes list that support standardized testing, charter schools. I would and imagine they, none of those people's children attend private school that would just uh, be public a, school right pr public school that's uh, what i meant i was just, just a wild guess there yeah you you'd probably <laughs> be right about that and so another thing is the teacher's ability to, to speak freely in clarkstown teachers are actually not allowed to talk about it in the district in which they work mm -hmm. because they're only supposed to say talk to the principal here's the principal's number here's contact information right talk to the principal and sometimes Teachers are a very trusted source of information for parents, right? And these are the people that know the kid. They know the system. They see what's going on. So, you know, there's there's a gag on teachers. The notification bill would have also freed up administrators to talk to parents freely about this. On the administrator level, it might be a little bit different. But these things are kind of in flux now because right now we don't have a commissioner, of education in the state of New York. And, you know, our area is also short one Board of Regents member because Judith Johnson passed. So we can't say with any certainty what's going to happen next. We could conceivably get another protesting commissioner. Who knows? What I'm hearing is that they're having a very tough time filling that position. And they're, they are doing like a search with a corporate firm and everything right now. And nobody wants this job because you're stepping right into the middle right. of Cuomo and the, you know, maybe some elements of the teachers union, you know, down in New York City, you know, that have been that have testing in their DNA. And then parents, teachers, actual rank and file teachers and the state teachers union. You know, Andy Pilata was funding billboards around the state that said opt out. You know, know your rights. And they weren't able to give Benedetto the letter that he wanted on the last day. And that must have been such a gut-wrencher. So really funny stuff and you know, not sure where it's going to go. But the groups that I'm involved in, I'm involved in one teacher's group called the New York Bats, the Badass Teachers Association, which is also a national group. They have a, they have a group in every state. And then I'm also on the steering committee of NYSAVE, the parents group. NYSAVE obviously is much bigger. There's a lot more parents than teachers. But... You know, we have about 3,000 members on Facebook anyway and the teacher group. And then on the, in the parent group, there's a mailing list of about 20,000. And the number of parents that end up opting out every year across New York State is about 200,000. So this is only like kind of a, a fraction. Um, another interesting wrinkle is that you heard that the Republican 
leader of the assembly picked up for DUI and he resigned and he stepped down. I think I saw the yeah part, Bill the Cole, first part of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he the, he's the minority leader in the assembly, okay. right? So he was replaced by an anti-testing Republican. Now, so things might be the earth might be moving. You know, things might be in flux around the testing issue. Who knows when the next um, state senate is seated? What may or may not happen, we'll see. Last election, in 2018 election, the Democrats got the majority, and I interviewed a lot of the incoming senators, and a lot of them, almost all of them, are uh, uniformly anti-testing. You know, usually what I ask is about the testing, and then my next question to you, which is going to be about the charter schools. We kind of spoke about the school experience here, but as a New York State senator, you're actually considering legislation that affects everybody statewide and you know that could be scarsdale where they're even more privileged and they have like these huge school budgets and magnificent facilities and you know campuses and uh, i I saw the high school at a recent wrestling match yes i mean yeah yeah. because our because our kids here compete Mm -hmm. and so sometimes they go over to scarsdale somebody told me something interesting just yesterday that uh, scarsdale football has two fields one is like turf and one is real grass and depending who's coming in they can choose which field to play on depending on which the other uh, school is not most used to so it's like (laughs) they have two football fields and they can be nice for them yeah north beat them in the match though so money can't buy everything right i mean they might not be the best athletes (laughs) necessarily although they did although they did have a kid just discover a new planet and that that made national news. Um, actually, my kids go to Scarsdale because my wife teaches there. Okay. So uh, some kid in my daughter's my youngest younger daughter's grade just discovered a planet, and they're right. in every magazine, every national magazine. Yeah, right. they're interning at NASA. Well, so hopefully uh, they're going to be an astronomer. One of those junior NASA things. You know, every every district has a lot of different strengths and weaknesses depending on kids in the district and the professions and the fields and what's going on in the area. So up at the top, you have Scarsdale, and then, you know, we're kind of below there, you know, economically. And then you have the districts that are in really in real trouble. And there are districts in the 38th that are, that you know, that are in that position. Obviously, East Ramapo, it's underfunded by millions, according to the Foundation Aid formula. And then also in this district is Ossining. And Ossining is a very, very diverse district. It's, it's a large district. And they have been acutely underfunded for years to the point where they actually have a parent movement there and they have a stakeholder movement in there that are very vocal about school funding. When it comes to the high and the low strata, you would kind of be representing not only within the 38th district, but then, you know, passing laws for the whole state. And so what is your view on the the more disadvantaged districts they're not getting their full foundation aid funding you know they're not getting their you know which is supposed to be tied to poverty and they have more poverty and then you know you also have the issue of charter schools moving into districts you know around the state mostly new york city but they hit the cap in new york city so you know up in albany buffalo rochester places like this where there's a lot of poverty and the charter industry sees you know, an opportunity because those schools are usually struggling and they they want to make the case that a charter school would be better. So where are, where are you on the idea of equity across economic strata and what would your platform be to address that? 
I've been trying to read up on the, the you know the foundation aid formula, and I think what I, some of what I've read is that the data that they're using is is really dated, the the, the amount of students, demographics, so. They're right off the bat. They're using, and, and I believe also the, both of the districts that you mentioned have changed in those same periods of time. Uh, so they're not even right off the bat. They're just not even using good numbers, is what I've read. Well, the data gets but, updated every year, but okay. the formula is what people say is outdated okay. because the foundation aid formula it does not take into account, uh, you know, like the growth of a district, and so they get those numbers, but they they don't get more money. Right? And Ossining is a great example where their enrollment has increased by, if I remember right, 20% since Foundation Aid, the formula was enacted. And they don't get any extra money for all that en- enrollment increase, which, which sounds crazy. It right? does sound crazy. You, and, I, and I asked David this over and over and over. I said, you're telling me that no matter how many kids you're packing into a building, they don't get any more money? And he was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, per pupil funding is different. It's not foundation aid. It's a different funding stream. Okay. There is per pupil funding that comes from the state and about ten percent from the federal. But foundation aid is a different animal, and so that's why the formulas are in such need of updating. They're very, very outdated. But you know, on the same token, depending on who you're talking to, they want to take poverty out. They want to take poverty out, and they want to look at things like enrollment and, and the percentage of English language learners and other things. And, you know, that was actually put forward by the IDC, was a change that would take poverty out. That and doesn't sound like personally, it's Yeah, personally, it sounds like the, the biggest reason, you know, the biggest metric. And this is where it gets really funky, because how do you determine poverty? What are the thresholds? Are there ways around that? It seems basic that you would rely on free and reduced forms that, that schools have to fill out anyway, right? This is to get their, their, their Title I funding, which is based on poverty from the federal government. And since we're doing that anyway... It just seems academic to me that we would base that, you know, that the state would do the same thing, but not necessarily because there's a poverty index and, you know, they have all these tricky things with the cost of living in a particular area. I mean, it's true that if you go up to the Canadian border, the cost of living is, you know, much, much lower than it is down 20 minutes from Manhattan. So there's something to be said there, but the formula has just been such a nightmare because it's very opaque. I mean, I've been told that there's only like four or five people that really understand the formula. You know, uh, what I have learned is that right off the bat, Long Island gets a, like a set percentage of, of the foundation aid. And then everybody else, you know, New York City and then Long Island. And then everybody else is like fighting over the remainder, which is like Yonkers, Rochester, Buffalo, these big districts. And it's crazy because nobody's ever gotten... They're what the law has promised. There's about $4 billion still unpaid, you know, and, and $1 billion of that is for New York City alone, and these schools need the money, right? And so some candidates running very strongly on fully funding foundation aid around the state, and that is law. It was passed into law in 2008 by the legislature. There was two court rulings that ruled that every child in New York State under the Constitution is entitled to a sound basic education. What that means is they need the services to have a class size 
you know, that isn't, you know, over the limit, which is like 30, 35. You can't have 35 kids in a class nowadays. And all these things are all law. But when Cuomo came in, they funded it for one year when Spitzer was the governor uh, on a three-year plan. They said, we are going to catch up with Foundation Aid over the next three years. And they funded the first year of a three-year installment of it. Then Cuomo gets elected and the financial crisis is happening at the exact same time, right? So Cuomo comes in at 2010, and uh, and he's you know starts 2011, and Foundation Aid has never been funded since then. And so you have Austin, you have Ramapo, and then you have you know, pretty much every school district around the state that has high poverty that is clamoring for this money because it was promised long ago and they started to pay it out so they were like kind of like oh my god we're going to get that new field or we're going to fix the cracks in the roof and all that and, and it's never come so as a state senator what what would your uh, view be on funding formula on funding would you seek maybe to join the coalition that's calling for transparency and equity and fully funding the formula and fighting that because you know it is headed back to court but you know, the legislature can do things, too, if there's enough support. Absolutely. I mean, if we already said we were going to do it, then there seems to be some Albany stuff going on there that we can't seem to pay the bill or fund the thing we said we were going to fund. I also have a big problem with what you're saying, where if there's five people who understand a formula, then it's a bad formula. Because how do how does a, a parent or another stakeholder make any sense of it or explain to themselves why didn't they why is this district still suffering why is this you know low income district not getting the funding they need we say everybody's going to get an equal education but then we have a system that's heavily tied to property taxes which is going to by nature create a lot of inequity yeah, definitely, because yeah. you know in a certain district and the property taxes are crazy and so they have lots of money and if it's a low-income place, it's just the property taxes aren't going to be the same. Right. So that should probably be, or definitely be reflected in, in whatever funding streams you're looking at. As you know, if you're not getting the money one way, then you probably need more help than somebody who is able to raise lots and lots of money and charge people um, paying almost eight thousand dollars in school taxes. I know people who are paying twenty thousand yeah. dollars in school taxes. Over so, on the other side of the river. So you know, if you have a district that just can't do that, the money's not there, the people can't can't pay those types of taxes, then that's a district that needs more help. So now we get to how that would be paid for. Cuomo and his budget guy Jim Malatros would tell you Oh, the money's not there. I mean, you know, this year he just did the state of the state, and we have a and we have a big budget gap. The money isn't there. We can't get it from anywhere. This is what they said when the financial crisis hit. And uh, another one of the arguments is if we restore the millionaire tax, the millionaires are going to just go over the border into Jersey, or it's really just a paperwork thing because they have a house in Connecticut and they have a house here. They can just flip their residence to Connecticut and save themselves a bundle, and then we lose all of that income because of a millionaire flight. So to me that's that speaks to the need for federal legislation, but there's still people nonetheless that say, you know, that that's bull because we did have the millionaire tax, right? And we did that 
at the same time we were funding foundation aid that's how it was funded it would actually be maybe only a point uh, difference you know for the on the state taxes of a millionaire like maybe they're paying the 4.5 percent and that might go up to 5.5 percent i mean when cynthia nixon was running she had a table of how she would raise the millionaire tax depending on your income and it was based on the formulas that had been in place before. It seemed like it worked back then. And then, you know, the Wall Street recession happened, and that was the perfect excuse, you know. And we've been in recovery ever since. But these school districts all around the state, depending on, you know, need, have been shortchanged. And that makes a difference, right? And I could tell you, you know, the thing, we don't need testing in these schools because schools you know, are struggling academically around the state in these areas, East Ramapo, Ossining. Poverty and lower performance are definitely linked. But the, what you do need in those districts, what those districts need that money for, is things like counselors, things like social workers. They need arts and sports and, you know, the things that make a very well-rounded student that's happy in school and that, you know, is coming every day, that brings attendance up. It fixes a lot of problems. So would you be in favor of the of restoring the millionaire's tax? Yes. This has been brought up in the assembly for the last three years at least and passed every year, but not in the state senate. And so... Well, we're halfway there. Yeah. Right. Yes. I, you know, I'm, and I'm just from observational, just from my, you know, what I see and read, or I'm more attuned to, you know, the terrible situation federally where you have these, you know, huge... So J.P. Morgan, City, yeah. Wa Walmart, uh, Amazon, and they're not paying any taxes, any federal taxes. Some of them even getting money back, so they're in a negative situation. That's just completely crazy. Um, if there's a similar situation going on in New York, I mean, I don't, I don't buy into the scare tactics. If they're going to go to Connecticut or use their Connecticut address. Well, we'll find that out when we do it. And we could always say, oh, it didn't work. The people who tried to use the scare tactics were right. But we seem to never even try to do it. Right. Because somehow it's not, it is really just a scare tactic. So I think there's a lot of people, there's a lot of money that could be raised that that wouldn't hurt people. Uh, so, and unfortunately, you know, it's, it's all across the country. You could see we're not really collecting the revenue that's due. We're letting people the people who could afford it the most getting away scot-free. I mean, that's a really, and that's leading to income inequality across the country and all sorts of persistent problems. Some, some of the candidates we're hearing now on the presidential level talk a lot more about it than others, but I, I think it's a huge problem. Um, and, you know, listen, we're not looking to drive people out of business or they can't make money, or, you know, but you got to pay your share. You got to, the, the society that, makes you a lot of money there's the roads the workers the bridge the economic the banking system all of that court. stuff is there court, all of it is there for you which creates a stable platform for you to go out and make a lot of money for your business so you gotta you gotta support that and that's i truly believe in this country right now that's not where we're at right is people are taking advantage of of the stable economy you know the platform and all of the infrastructure right. and everything yeah. else, and not paying at all. I mean, it, it's much more clear to me. I guess I've been exposed to more data on the federal level, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some problems on, on New York State, too. And that's something I would definitely pursue, is trying okay. to get people to... There's, there's a lot of money out there, um, and I think the scare tactics of 
oh, you'll chase people away, or you can't, we you, can't do it. Well, let's try, and if it's a disaster, we'll back right. You know, we could back right. off of it, but we we don't. Nobody even wants well, to try. We had, we had it before. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that's an even better argument. We did it before, we and this guy didn't fall people in. Didn't then seem like they left. Uh, right. no. So another thing is a lot of these same people, right? We're talking about now, like kind of uh, hedge fund managers. Wall Street types, big donors to Cuomo, big donors to Republicans. Um, some money in politics. Yeah, I, the That's IDC really was bad. taking some of it. They're pretty much uniformly behind charter schools, right? Privatization. We have charter schools is where they're publicly funded, but they're privately managed. And, you know, they really focus on test prep. There's about 400 some odd, I think 450, something like that in the state because they're capped. And most of them are in New York City, and they've hit the cap. Around the state, there's still room under the cap, but New York City is where they really want them because that's where that's where the money is. You have Success Academy, and you have KIPP, and you have all these networks, you uncommon schools, and they're all they all have these boards, and the boards are all populated by these hedge fund guys who love the fact that they're on the board of a school because it makes them seem like philanthropists instead of school privatizers. And they are the big, some of the biggest donors to the, the legislature, right? I mean, you could even point to which seats they went after, you know, in election after election. And it goes hand in hand. The same ones that want to prevent the millionaire tax from being enacted are the same ones that want to privatize the, the public education and yeah. make it more of a commodity. I have pretty strong feelings about charter schools, so... Okay, it's, you... a, it's an easy one for me. Um, I mean, I've you know I've read some stuff about it. I kind of followed it, you know, not very closely, but I followed it over time. I really think that the effort was started by people who don't want, they don't believe in public school, feel like they're putting something in for nothing, and I, I just think it's an effort to defund public schools, to destabilize public schools. I'm totally against charter schools. I think they should just, it's, just, it's a crazy idea. That money should stay in public schools. And certainly that is just, I don't, I don't think it's something that's working. Right. I, I wouldn't support it in any way. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, there's an opportunity for somebody else because I wouldn't take any money from that. I think it, and I wouldn't support it in any way. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, it's been a very big flashpoint because New York only has statewide, only about 6% of our schools are charter schools. And in New York city, it's a little higher. It's about 10%. But there are states where New Orleans is a city which has 90% charter schools. They're like the, the biggest experiment. Then you go to Detroit, which is about 50%. Philly is about 30%. Um, Chicago is about 20%. And so we're, you know, we're not quite that far, but that's what happens. And then you know, if you look across the South and Indiana, I mean, the, literally the guy running the charter school is the elected official or you know, might be, yes, yes, this is happening. I mean, if you see, and also I think there's a, people spending a lot of money on um, trying to sway public opinion right. on charter schools. So I, I don't know, when you're spending a lot of money to change uh, people's minds and put almost propaganda out there, I'm not sure whether I'd call that philanthropy anymore. You're kind of on a mission. I call it AstroTurf, and I kind of like, you know, write about it. I write articles, and I monitor this stuff. It's the, the messaging, and right now there's there's a huge charter school pack called DEFER, Democrats for Education Reform. Democrat is really just in the name, mm-hmm. although they did in the past support kind of like centrists like Obama and Booker and, you know, folks like that. When you look a little more closely, the funders 
are the same people that are contributing to Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, right? So there, there was even Not two... Not big fans of public education. Right. And, and there was even two states that sued them to try to get Democrats out of their name, California and uh, Ohio. So DFRA's a really big player in New York State to this day. And a lot of the members of DFER are also sitting on the board of Success Academy Charter Schools, the biggest charter chain in the state. It's a really big issue. It's, it's finally getting a little bit of attention nationally because the presidential candidates are, have all been asked to weigh in for the first time. I read that article cycle. you wrote about that. And, you know, and, and that's been updated. You know, Bernie and Warren have their anti-charter platforms. The other uh, candidates are trying desperately not to talk about it as much as possible. But, you know, they all say they're against for-profit charters, which I guess is cool. Uh, but, you know, obviously it could be better. You know, and, and it does connect to specific people like Bill Gates, you know, has put a lot of money behind charters. And Bill Gates is actually supporting the charters in Washington State right now, artificially supporting them with his own money, because they were defunded uh, in a court ruling. So, you know, they're literally keeping them alive, and he's hoping to get a different legislature so that they can keep the charter experiment going in Washington State. And every every you know region where you look, and they have their like, you know, in Texas they have their oil billionaires and everything. And you got your charter schools, you know, in PA, you know, it's all, it's kind of like a regional thing in Wisconsin, like Kansas, the Koch brothers, Betsy DeVos group is Michigan. So, you know, this is kind of what they do. They kind of like divide up the map and they say, you know, we're going to open up some charter advocacy firms. They even get federal funding. There's about 400 million that goes to open new charter schools. And when DeVos came in, Betsy DeVos came in, for the first time they started giving money, not just to the actual schools that were that were opening they actually started giving money to the charter advocacy groups which is their pals and that's money we're coming right out of the department of education so i agree with you that charters need to be stopped and that money needs to go into public education um i get i try to get as many candidates as i can you know on the record with that and so appreciate that mm -hmm. um I, I see our time is dwindling so and so um since we're on kind of like campaign funding I want to give you a chance to talk about how you would like to see your campaign funded, ideally. Some people have their do's and don'ts uh, with campaign funding. It's a, it's a bigger issue now. And maybe that can bring us into talking a little bit about how you see the race going so you can fill us in. Well, yeah, my, um, I mean, my favorite donor would just be, you know, so a regular, an, a, a person, an individual, mm -hmm. um, an Unfortunately, we're, what we're looking at is, you know, you got to raise a lot of money. So there's that. I'm, I'm, right now, I'm focused on individual donors, and I'm also trying to, uh, you know, appeal to different labor unions and um, be an advocate for them and listen to what I think I know some stuff myself already. Mm -hmm. uh, that's something I'm, I'm pretty, have a lot of strong opinions on um, and have tried to follow. Uh, but, you know, I'd love to be an advocate. Um, I, I think that we're at a place where people forget. Americans love to forget and they love to rest on their laurels and we kind of forget where unions brought us from. I'm a little bit of a history buff, so I know where I, you know I've, I know where this country was before people you know organized and unions made a lot of strides. You know I see you know this is stuff that people say all the time that are pro-union, but you know five day work week, 
um, eight-hour work day, any type of benefits in, included with your job, workplace safety, mm-hmm. um, and I... I'm probably forgetting, you know, I know I'm forgetting 10, 12, 15 yeah, other the big issues. Yeah, the big ones are but, like But all those things, right. And so, and we're slipping and now. I don't know. I heard one person say 8%. I thought I read that it was 11% of people are organized, you know, workers mm-hmm. in the country are organized. I'd like to see a lot more people. Um, I think it's empowering everyday working people. And like a little bit what we touched on, we're up against like a really bad situation right now where people with... Amounts of money that we, you know, regular people like you and me couldn't wrap their minds around. Mm-hmm. I, I read something that said uh, Jeff Bezos is making $230,000 an hour or something yeah. like that. They're trying to wrap your mind around that as days, weeks go by. Um, when that's most people don't make that in a year. Right. Um, so, you know, the only way that we're going to be able to fight back against this, and it, I think it's gotten really bad in this country at this point, is for people to get together, and if you, you know, organize in the workplace, that's really where you're going to make some strides. You're going to fight back against, we've really let it slip to where we're in a bad, we're, we're on the defensive mm-hmm. in a big way. Um, so, I, you know, I fundamentally believe in it, so it's something that I, I would love to advocate for, uh, because it's, it's close to my heart. Okay. And who's in the race right now? The only ones I know about are you and Elijah. Reichlin Reich- Melnick. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. He's a trustee right Reich- here in Reichlin the village. Reichlin Melnick. Yep. Is um, anybody, else, anybody else in the race he's, yet? He's a trustee right here in Nyack. Yes. So there's a guy from Ossining, an attorney from okay. Ossining named Tony Martinez. Okay. And then I, uh, I got to get his name right. It's uh, Utsin Francois. He's a trustee in the village of Spring Valley. He. Uh-huh. So those are people that have filed a campaign account with the state mm-hmm. so that's what i would call them going forward right and they're also out there um doing stuff i've seen all of all and including myself you know have they're on facebook or they go to events or they're they're calling people for support so those are the four people that i've seen actively uh doing so we got four right now we're not okay. we're nowhere near congress not, um, so you got to get all those so guys on to here. differentiate yourself from the others what would you say and you know the district very mm-hmm. well. What would you say your uh, priorities are or your keynote issues would be? Okay. Well, I mean, I think what I bring is like um, a kind of ground level experience. Town clerk, I like to call it the the front, the the storefront mm-hmm. of town hall or the front lines of a local government. Um, I just the necessity of the job. You can't be that job, especially now that since two thousand fourteen, um, under under my administration or whatever you want to call it we took over the receiver taxes office Mm -hmm. in the town so now we do that too Mm -hmm. it's part of the town clerk's office so that really expanded the amount of people i interact with do they do that in the other towns orange town did that after us and i when 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 it happened especially the way we did it it's saving towns uh, other other leaders not myself have said that it's saving town about a half million dollars a year um I thought it would take off, and all these towns, we're, the, I think, uh, the sixth largest town in population in the state of New York, I believe, so I thought this was going to take off. Smaller towns, it's a no-brainer if Clarkstown mm-hmm. could do it, but it really didn't, but Orangetown got in there. Uh, they're doing it. That's the only one around here that I'm aware of, um, so that's just, get to the point, is it exposed me to so many people, so I feel like I, I've heard. I'm, I, I'm a good listener. I, I'd rather listen than talk. Mm-hmm. 
I think politicians should do a lot more listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and people have come to me, and that, that what they what I hear again and again is property taxes, of course, but it's more with what people say, the overall cost of living in the state of New York is out of control. And especially, you know, Clarkstown, you hear people, they're saying, I'm just going week to week. I'm just trying to pay all these bills. Um, and, you know, that it's it's tough for people. So that's something, it's not an easy thing to, you could talk, it sounds easy to talk about, but it's going to be harder to address. But it's something that's got to be addressed because that's what I hear about from a lot of people. I also hear, I've heard from people who they've, practically bankrupted themselves because a loved one got cancer or some sort of serious thing that needed treatment. Um, But also people that I'm friends with, small business owners, people that are in business for themselves, um, they don't have health insurance with their job, and they ask astronomical amount of money that they're laying out for health insurance. And then you look at the rest of the civil industrialized world, and you see that every other country has some some form of universal health care. Um, and amount of money, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of scare out there with universal health care because there's a lot of money behind it, so they can fund a lot of scare. But if you look at the amount of money that these health care companies, CEOs, yeah. make and profit. It's about about that, third, I mean, maybe right. 30 percent of the, of the premium. That, that's money that could go to treating people right. and not go in billionaires pockets. So I, that's another big thing. I no really brainer. think that New York should should pass the New York Health Act yeah. and try to be a leader for the rest of the country. New York could say, "Look, we did it and I think it'll push things like Medi- Medicare for all forward around the rest of the country." New York's been a leader right. before. They really could could lead on that. So that's another thing I'd really like to advocate for, push the Senate to really get aggressive with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course education. Most of the people that like you said, everybody I know, I mean I I We've been here since my grandparents were here on both sides of my family. But a lot of people that I know moved to Rockland as adults. Yeah. And their kids go to school with my kids and whatever. And every single one of them, like you touched on before, they moved here for education. Mm-hmm. They moved here for the school district. Yeah. So, you know, that's what people in a lot of New York live here for. And it's just a big part of anybody's life who has a family. And they want their kids to get a good education so they can, you know, go out there and fight for a decent slice of uh, the mm-hmm. American dream. So the, we gotta we gotta really tackle. That's another thing. Obviously, we, we touched we, on it the whole time. It, yep. it's, there's a lot of hard fights we did there. Deep dive but education it. would definitely is definitely something that you know is personal to me. But I also think it's very significant for everyone else in the state. And I'd love to try and advocate for some common sense in that and some fairness. Where you like we keep talking about it year after year, decade after decade. But we're not funding these school districts that are struggling. And I I don't want to hear about a formula. Or whatever your excuse is, it should be, so we'll change the formula. Or we'll change whatever the excuse is or the so-called problem is and just get it done, you know, like get it done. So, so, I mean, like I said, I'm not, I'm the last person who wants to make, you know, pie-in-the-sky promises to people. But I would definitely get in there and fight and keep fighting and and until we get some kind of lasting solutions. So one thing that is really unique in our district is the East Ramapo situation. We spoke about them being really underfunded, mm-hmm. but they also have the example that's been in the national spotlight about the uh, school board that was taken over, if you want to say, by uh, members of private uh, religious community 
and they have defunded, systematically defunded. They're missing dozens and dozens. I think over 100 teachers have never been restored. They kind of direct that funding instead to, they try to make deals with the state education department to direct uh, as much funding as possible to transportation for private schools, for uh, textbooks and food, um, you know, special ed services. So we've always had this huge kind of like, I mean, this has been going on for years, this huge tension between the religious community up in East Ramapo and the public school kids, uh, a lot of whom are, you know, black and brown. I think almost all black and brown. And then on top of that, we have this other issue where it's been an official complaint uh, three, four years, I think three, four years ago now, that the yeshivas are not providing a basic education, a secular education. Uh, no English at the high school level for boys. No math, social studies, you know, it's only uh, rabbinical Talmudic studies. And the complaint has been uh, slow walked, you know, that, that just came out in an article two weeks ago that the de Blasio administration stretched it out, right, to like stalled it. And so we know that now. But what's your view on the controversy that's raging in East Ramapo over the school board and the education standards issue? I mean, if you you look at like you touched on the history of it, that there's that's a even I saw the proposed rules. I think there's proposed rules now because there was a court decision last April that said that they didn't. Right. Well, they have um, to have substantially a, a equivalent education. Right. And but they didn't adopt the regulations correctly, and they said it was rulemaking, so they had to go back or something. I right. Thought. It was. It went back on a technicality. Yeah. And so I thought there's new. Is is there new proposed rules? Well, it's gonna. Yeah, it's gonna be the same thing, except they're gonna have the comment period. Some of the some of the language in there was talking twenty three, twenty four. So they're right off the bat pushing it out a couple of years. So I think there's a, there's a serious issue with the Department of Education. Um, Which is leaderless right now. Um, so, yeah, I think we, we, you got to figure out why does that keep happening. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in fundamentally, we, we want everybody to get some sort of education so they can function in society. And I, I really think I know some people will say, oh, you're crazy. You know, we're very, very a lot of people have a very strong feelings about this in Rockland County. But if we don't win over people's hearts and minds and try to tell, like, convince them that this is in their best interests, we're just going to get an endless stream of resistance and lawsuits. So I'd like to see a component of it at least be try to, you know, have a dialogue and say, we're trying to help. Mm -hmm. This is good for people to to have some something um, so that you know, the, the, we could try to bring down the resistance a little bit to it and, and try and make it work for, for everybody involved. Because you also have, I mean, I heard 22,000, and then somebody else said there's 30,000 private school children uh, in, in East Ramapo. In East Ramapo, yeah. So it's got to make sense to all of those parents, too. They, had, I'm sure they care about their children, um, and they want a good life for their children. So I'd like to see part of it be, you know, a dialogue that makes sense to everybody in so concerned. If, so if elected, maybe you would use your platform to try to reach out to the community and convince them to, Absolutely. to we start should, giving their kids a secular education. Not just that issue. If you look at Rockland County, there's multiple issues where right now you have people screaming and yelling at each other and saying terrible things mm -hmm. about other 
people groups, that yeah. I would call our neighbors, whether mm-hmm. you li- whether we like it or not, they're our neighbors, mm-hmm. and that we really need to move away. That that makes you. I mean, if I yell at you, I'm your ne- I live across the street, and I yell at you because you walked your dog, and I, I thought you didn't pick up, or you, you don't <laughs> pull, pull your garbage cans in the same way. Your your natural reaction is going to be. Ah. That guy, right. you know, yelling at me. Who does he think he's telling me? We, we have to have a dialogue. People are going to listen to you. They're going to respect you. They're going to at least give you the time of day if you try to make a dialogue. If we're going to keep screaming and yelling at each other and writing nasty comments online and stuff like that, I don't know how anybody thinks that's a rec- that's a d- direction of progress, mm-hmm. a recipe for progress. So that's got to be a part of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I fundamentally believe in the concept that we promised everybody some sort of basic education so they could function in society. We just have to figure out how we're actually going to get there and not just languish back and forth in court and have people way above even the Senate, you know, intervening. Mm-hmm. Um, so your tactic would be trying, trying to reach the parents. One of. Right. Yeah. Okay. And talk uh, to people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that has been suggested. Like, start getting some forums and some dialogues. You know, where there's some civil You're discussion get a lot going of back resistance. and forth. Of course, you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? People, there's, you know, there's also the. And I, I'm not trying to. Well, you know, people came here. This whole country was started because people wanted religious freedom. That they were escaping um, religious persecution. Uh, that was one of the big reasons I think the country was started. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I don't. I don't want to somehow be perceived, at, you know, as a secular society that we live in is trying to, you know, because that's the way you'll hear if you read. I read some of the articles um, that you wrote and other people wrote, and the other side. That's what they're saying. You're, right. you know, you're not allowing us to be freedom, have, of have freedom of religion, and you're persecuting us and whatever. So that's something we don't want to have. We don't want to hear that. We want right. to get away from that. And and have a better dialogue, uh, but you know that's a, that's a fight yeah, I mean, worth having I mean, to we, make we, sure that we're taking care of of every child in the state of New York. Right. I mean, we we spoke at the beginning about um, unfunded mandates, uh, or or just just mandates. Right. We have federal mandates for testing. We have uh, mandates for licensing, and we have mandates, mandates, mandates. So if you're going to take the state funding streams there's several of them and you know and, and it adds up to a lot almost everything we do in the town then, clerk's office then, is an unfunded mandate yeah <laughs> and so so then it comes with strings and you know if you don't like it well you should see what the public schools have to I do also had it. an idea about maybe some targeted funding so I didn't, but again it's how do you police that some of the articles i read there's 475 or something um, religious you know, yeshiva type school private schools in the state of New York or something. Mm-hmm. So how do we, you know, police all of that? Um, how do we make sure that the things that the board, the Department of Education says is supposed to be happening happen? That because I, you know, I'm, I come from the perspective of uh, like the ground floor of town hall, and I know enforcement is an issue mm-hmm. across the board. Mm-hmm. We have, I mean, the town of Clarkson has moved forward. Uh, um, and taking some positive steps with code enforcement in town of Clarkstown, but they're 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 stemming the tide. I mean, the town just should probably have nine code enforcement officers, right. not three. But it's expensive, you know. Right. So and they're trying to keep the budget straight. So uh, you're not you're you're just you're attacking the most egregious issues. Right. I have people, a, a guy who's a water quality advocate right around my area. He's sending me pictures right in Clarkstown of 
outfalls into tributaries of the Hackensack River. And he says, names five different entities he's called, in, in, uh, including New York State DEC, and the ball keeps getting passed around. And that's, to me, mind-boggling yeah. that in a place like this in New York State, that something that's a egregious water quality violation, you, you're, you're having trouble shopping around to find somebody to enforce. So enforcement, yeah, enforcement's always going I to mean, be yeah, a huge issue. My, my could, thing is education, and we spoke about so many things that are actual laws on the books and that are not being enforced. They have never been implemented, and, you know, and then there's all these blurry lines around why that goes to PR and media. Most, most people, most people put their kid in a car seat, with their child in a car seat. It's not because there's a state law. I really believe that. It's because they've somehow learned, they've somehow heard, they've become aware that it's going to save their child's life. Mm -hmm. It's making their child much safer in the vehicle. Terrible things could happen to their child if they're not in a car seat and they get an automobile accident. Mm -hmm. So they got it in their head. This is good for me. Right. You know what I mean? My, right. When we had our, our uh, every every child, but certainly the first child, I remember my wife, she was like, you put that car seat in the car before you come pick us up at the hospital. We're not even going to drive right. the four miles from the hospital with that in there. And that's because she knew, you know, she learned that it was it was going to keep her child safe. So, right. we, so that's what I say. We're going to save a lot of money. We're going to get a lot further with people. Um, enforcement is always... A hard thing to do but not that you don't do it and you don't put money towards it um, but you also got to have you know an, some effort to try and tell people look this is for your benefit right we're helping convincing and convince them people that, that buy yeah, in have right, the, have and to some in. degree and it's <clears> you know so we covered a lot of the education stuff we tried to get into some other issues but but god there's just so much to talk about, um, you know, when you're talking about a state senate seat. I really appreciate you guys coming by, and, you know, maybe we can keep in touch. I don't know if there'll be uh, maybe another opportunity between now and the actual election, but we really love the fact that Justin Sweet came out to talk to us here at New York Update, and we will have to sign off for now. We will be back uh, next week, and uh, Tuesday at 7, and you can catch our archives online anytime at newyorkupdate.org. It's not just radio, it's Rockland World Radio. Rockland World Radio.com.